everybody. Welcome to Health for the Healthcare Professional podcast. Today is going to be an amazing episode. I have some bosses in the house today. I have Dr. Jonathan Allen, Dr. Vicki Goring, and Dr. Trevor Goring. I am so excited, you guys. Thank you for joining us. Um, so let's get started. Um, this whole month actually is physical therapy month. So happy physical therapy month, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, it's such an important profession. I'm just always in awe of physical therapists and what you guys do for our patients. I mean, I'm just so appreciative of the work you do. Thank you so much. So tell us, each of you, I'm going to start with you, Trev. Um, can you mm. tell us how did you start kind of being introduced to physical therapy. Tell us a little bit about your journey. How did you get there? What brought you to that field? Uh, so my father uh, worked at an army hospital. So he was able to get me a, a shadowing opportunity with the therapist over there. I was a junior in high school. So I got to shadow that person for about half a day and that was it. I was sold. I said, this is my profession. I'm oh, there. wow. That was it. Oh, that's awesome. And then, Vicki, how about you? So I was getting ready to go into 11th grade, didn't really know what I wanted to do, knew that I loved helping people. My mom actually suggested that I go, like, volunteer to see what physical therapists do. So I went to a local hospital in the 11th grade and really? fell in, uh-huh. Why did you know that? It was meant to be. And, <laughs> and fell in love with it. <laughs> fell in love with it. And then the rest is history. Here we are. Wow. Like I love it. How about you, John? Um, so mine is a little bit different. Um, so I was in high school, probably junior, senior, and I was like, I'm hell bent on being a podiatrist or a pediatrician. Really? I, oh, I, I really just that. thought I thought it was a piece, but yeah. And um, so I was kind of it was doing that or architecture because my father's an architect and wanted to follow through his steps. And then it was kind of like a naive decision. It was like ah, I'm not quite sure. Medicine's a long, long arduous time. And then, um, like um, Vicky, my mother suggested, "Hey, why don't you observe some other things? Why don't you absorb physical therapy?" And I was able to work as an aide. And I was like, yo, this is, this is what's up. I like this. And um, at the time, my idea was to go practice, get my license and everything, and actually go back to medical school to, uh, or to be a DO. But then I was like, nah, I'm done with school. So, cool. <laughs> so I'm, I'm enjoying it. I love it. Um, but yeah, that's my journey. Okay, excellent. So we have... Many high school students, college students who listen to the show, can you just give a brief introduction of what physical therapy is, what exactly you do? I know there's so many different areas, inpatient, outpatient, you know, uh, but can you just give a brief overview um, about what physical therapy, what physical therapists do? I, through many conversations with my colleagues, um, I've pretty much kind of crafted this own definition. Um, we are the movement experts and movement science experts and the anatomists of the medical field. 
Um, we understand the deficiencies from neuromuscular, uh, the neuromuscular system. Mm. And we focus on um, addressing those deficiencies um, from pediatric to geriatric through all um, levels of activities and all from sports to pretty much sedentary. Um, but the ultimate goal is to rehabilitate and recover anybody that's dealing with a physical ailment mm. as uh, musculoskeletal and neuro neurological condition. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. So Trev, um, you were saying right from the get go, you're like, Oh, this is what I want to be. I know I want to be PT, um, a physical therapist. Now, years later, years later, um, do you still like wake up in the morning and like, Oh my goodness, I love my job. I just cannot wait to go there. This is, I'm just loving it. Every single second of it. This is all I dreamed of. I never want to do else. <laughs> or, or are you like, part, are you yes. like, uh, 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 I regret this. No, for, for the most part, most days are great. <laughs> oh, a good day today. Yeah. That's pretty much. It's all right, dear. For you, yes. <laughs> For you. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I love the people I work with. I work with an amazing team, but PT is not my passion. But you mm. heard me say that before. It's my profession, but it's not my passion. So I don't necessarily wake up every morning like, yes, I'm going to work. <laughs> but I enjoy working with people, and I enjoy helping people get back to their prior level of functioning since I work in a hospital setting. I enjoy being able to go in and be that smiling face. And oftentimes people are like, oh, you just have such a bright, you know, a bright personality. You're just so chippery. And a lot of times they don't get that, you know what I mean, in the hospital because they're mm -hmm. sick. They're right. sick. So I do enjoy that part. But no, to answer your question outright. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, John? Um, I'm a blend between Trevor and Vicky. Okay. Um, so definitely it's, it's a, um, it is awesome to be able to kind of wake up every day and have that impact to, you know, really better somebody's life. You can make somebody have, um, courage in themselves and, um, really just get them back to where their, their prior level of function was or even greater. Um, unfortunately, when it comes to like being here, been doing this for almost a decade, um, you're, you find all of the kind of the glitz and glamour and the uh, honeymoon phase, um, for, to, so be it, is, uh, fades away. And it is a very, just as much as it's rewarding and fun job, is actually also very uh, fatiguing and exhausting in many mm. ways. Mm. So, um, yeah, there's days that I love it, and there's days where I'm like, I'd rather just sit and sleep. So, yeah, right. So it's a very physical job. It's very physical. I yeah. don't know if people really, I mean, <laughs> the name is it, physical therapy, but the patients are doing a lot of, the, you know, physical work, but we are too, and it can be yeah. hard on your body. Hmm. Um, I think in any setting, like I'm in the hospital setting, so it's a lot of lifting. Um, they're an outpatient, so it's a lot of manual work with their hands. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I've thought of it like that either. You know, I kind of see it as you guys are instructing the patient, but I didn't think of it like that. You guys are, they're working with them. 
I'm sure that's why I don't exercise. You've already done it at work. (laughs) (laughs) So, John, you were talking about, um, you know, the fatigue and everything like that. Can you walk me through what life is like as a physical therapist now during this pandemic? Because um, when you guys went to school, I don't think I'm just going to speak for you guys. I don't think you would have imagined that we'd be dealing. I don't know if anybody would have imagined we'd be dealing with this, you know. So what just walk us through what's life like during COVID as a PT? Um, That's a good question. And yes, none of us really uh, thought about pandemic life. so for outpatient, I can only speak for outpatient and where we're at. Um, we do operate as an essential service. So we do, we do operate and kind of uh, carry ourselves in that manner. Um, with that, we, have to, we had to completely change certain ways in which we treat. Um, initially, when coming in, we didn't have to take any temperatures or anything like that, but that's screening and triage is done before they even come back into the gym. Um, with that, we are sanitizing continuously. The patients are sanitizing their hands before they even touch any equipment. Um, everybody has their mask covering for our state. We just follow the state laws in that regards. And then um, both of our facilities, we've had to in, uh, in place social distancing the best we can. Mm-hmm. Um, for the state of Maryland, I um, when speaking with my um, my cohorts, we there's with the medical field there's a slight loophole because we are essential service. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to always create social distancing, mm-hmm. um, but we create them in the best way possible. So all of our tables that we treat on are six feet apart. Um, all of our equipment is um, pretty much spaced out, and then we do not necessarily um, bring our patients within six feet of each other um, oh, unless okay. it is necessary for that time period. But we keep everything kind of spaced out, and um, we do treatments outside when um, applicable. Mm, okay, nice. That's good. Um, Trev, is that how your situation is too? Because uh, you're also outpatient, correct? Yeah, it was similar in terms of keeping a social distance, wearing your masks. Um, however, though we are an essential service, I was actually furloughed for a little bit of time uh, during the pandemic. Mm, yeah, I didn't know that. It just put enough volume to support the number of therapists there. Mm-hmm. Um, so things definitely changed overnight. Um, so it was interesting. So while six weeks I was out, we'll just have to pivot and adjust um, some things. Um, but we're back on track now. So it's been interesting. But I think you brought up such a good point with that, Trev, because um, I think that's how it was in the whole medical community. We were all shocked because for that beginning of the pandemic, everyone's like, oh my goodness, we need you guys. You guys are all essential, all this, all this. And so Mm -hmm. we're all working. We're all doing what we can. And then we started realizing, okay, there's no more elective surgeries. A lot of things were shut down. A lot of revenue generating procedures were shut down. Mm-hmm. So we don't have that many patients. A lot of people are staying home. And so you don't, like you say, you don't, you can't financially, it's hard to justify this number of staff um, for these number of patients. But it's like, wait, like three weeks ago, I was just told I was essential. And then so like doctors across the country, nurses, PT, RT, like a lot of people were furloughed and it was, I felt like it was just a wake up call. Cause I kind of felt 
um, and maybe this is a little naive, but I felt like the medical community was kind of um, immune to mm. that because people are always, unfortunately, getting sick. So I thought, I think that, that that's a good point that you brought up. Thank you for sharing. How about you, Vicki, on the hospital side? What is it like? Oh, at the beginning, it was ever so changing. Every day, I felt like I had to go in just kind of being prepared for, you know, what we were doing yesterday to probably change today as they were figuring things out. Um, so we never really stopped working. I think maybe I got called out maybe once or twice, but I was pretty consistent. Um, but of course, you know, it's the wearing the mask. Um, we're now at the stage where we have to wear goggles as well for every patient encounter. Um, you know, we're, we were always wearing gloves and sanitizing in and out and or washing. Um, but now it's just, you know, you, you do it a lot more. Um, yeah. Wiping down countertops and, and like keyboards after you use them. That was a practice that we weren't doing that we probably should have been doing even before the pandemic. But now it's like a requirement. And of course, we're doing temperature screens, too, when we come to work, when we first clock in. Mm -hmm. Do you guys feel a little, um, to get a little personal, do you guys feel sometimes stressed going into that environment? Because a lot of people are working from home, right? Like, so many people are working from home, they get to stay in their, con you know, confined areas. But, like, you guys are in central services, as you mentioned, and you have to go. You know what I mean? You have to help. Do you... I mean, how do you guys feel? Do you sometimes, is it sometimes stressful? <laughs> I think it's the new norm. I mean, yeah. for me, I've been called so many times of, you know, for exposure to COVID. that it's yeah. just like when HR call or, or health employee calls, I just, I'm like, oh God, who did I just treat last week? And I'm <laughs> tested positive. Right. You know, they ask you the questions. If you're not symptomatic, you know, you just kind of continue working. Whereas in the beginning, they were actually having you stay home in quarantine for the 14 days, regardless of if you were symptomatic or not. But I guess, you know, as far as trying to keep patient staffing, you couldn't really have everybody go home for 14 days in quarantine, especially if they were <laughs> asymptomatic. So. Hmm. How about you, John? Um, so in, initially I was a little bit more concerned um, simply because of the, basically the, the immense amount of information and misinformation that was out there. Mm. So not having the full confidence of what was going on, going through, yeah. like after the, like, uh, like the first week or two, I was like, I'm not quite sure about this. But afterwards, then you start realizing, as, uh, as Vicky mentioned, is like in the healthcare world, you're taught sanitation, like, you know, that is, that is second nature to you. So when you see somebody, immediately you sanitize or wash your hands. You don't touch your face. You don't touch your eyes. You don't go around there. You know, those, those automatic practices are just a little bit more attuned. Um, so after I understood that and I was like, oh, okay. And as outpatient physical therapist and inpatient physical therapist, you, there is no way that you can create social distancing. Like I am on top of you, working with you, helping you. It's, it's physical. So I had to put away that apprehension very quickly in order for me to be willing to treat somebody appropriately. Mm, okay. Yeah, good. How about you, Trev? Yeah, I'm not stressed about it. Yeah. It's just standard procedures now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. So um, 
I was researching, I mean, you know, I knew you guys kind of during school, but like, I don't think I really truly understood how kind of crazy your program is, you know, in school. It's really intense. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, it is intense. I knew it was a lot, but oh my gosh. So anyways, um, we do have physical therapy students who do listen um, or pre-PT who do listen. So, I mean, can you guys give any words of wisdom? Like we were talking about stress earlier. You guys are doing okay with that now, but was it stressful in school? And if so, what kind, what did you do to kind of take care of yourself or you wish that you did, you know, cause this podcast really focuses on the health of us, right? Cause we caring so much for others. We need to care for ourselves too. Is there anything that, um, helped you guys in your kind of student journey that you'd like to share? Who wants to go? (laughs) (laughs) I would say, yes, it was very stressful. Long nights, sleepless nights. But (laughs) I would take like at least one day a week to kind of relax. Mm. Not doing. (laughs) What happened? What you said? (laughs) Yes, it happened to be on the Sabbath. On Saturday. My day of praise, my, my day of praise, man. Amen. Amen. <laughs> um, um, but overall, no. Um, it helped to have all study groups, you know, and we all just suffered together. So it, it built some lifelong bonds. And um, on your yeah. day of rest, Trav, sorry, on your day <laughs> of rest, did you like, um, was it like, okay, like PT is out of my mind. I'm not opening a book. Like you're completely closed off to work or it was just like, Oh, I'm just going to read a little chapter here and there or whatever, whatever. And what did you do on your day of rest? Was it like. <laughs> Boring. I, I, I just go to go, go church, come back home, eat lunch. <laughs> then in the evening. Now, when, when it got to second year, in the second year, I will definitely study some Saturday nights. Um, okay. But the daytime helps relax, so. Okay. And that okay, cool, cool. How about you, John? Um, yes, I had a day of rest too, Biggie. <laughs> 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 um, but all yeah, ultimately is um whether you um prescribe to a day of rest or not, it is being able to create separation. Um, ultimately you cannot do this. And this is goes on not only for education, but also for your professional life. It's mm. like, you cannot do this all the time consistently. Right. Right. You, you are a human before you went to PT school or whatever medical profession you're in. And you're going to be a human after that. So you have to be able to create that balance. Mm. Um, so for me, what I did is like, I, I would, you know, literally designate time, usually Sunday through Friday, in which I was 100% on for school. Um, Saturday, I wouldn't even do anything Saturday night until, like, like, I remember, like, I had a comprehensive, and that was, like, two years of all of you learned, all of what you learned, and you have a test on that. So that, like, that Saturday evening, I did sacrifice. But for the most part, it was, you know, I had a whole day where I was not, thinking about it at all hmm excellent okay how about you vicky 
Well, maybe I should have followed their lead. I did not have a day of rest. I don't, you know, honestly, I don't, I'm going to be transparent. I don't know if I did well with the balance, you know, but I mean, I would do things that I enjoyed when little coins would come my way, like maybe going to get my toenails done, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, just being out in nature, kind of be able to kind of de-stress a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But I did not personally have like a set day where I said, no, you know, I'm not going to do any studying, but I did have, like I said, other outlets to kind of help me just decompress. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Excellent. So I am going to shift gears completely and talk about, um, how this year has, I mean, every year you have politics, but this year is pretty intense with the politics. And um, I've heard this mentioned a couple of times. I want to hear you guys' view on this, that healthcare workers shouldn't get involved in politics or have an opinion in politics that we should just go in, clock in, do our job, clock out. And we shouldn't talk about um, politics, period in whatever area we're in. Um, I've heard this actually a couple times, so I want to hear your thoughts about this. Vicki? Well, at work, I have a strict rule. I do not talk (laughs) politics at work. My mama told me from day one, don't talk politics at work. Mm -hmm. And that's been beneficial for me. I mean, we're in Virginia. um, So (laughs) take what you will from that. I love VA, born and raised, okay? And I've even had patients who try to pry it out of me. Like, you know, one of the orientation questions we ask patients sometimes is who's the president. And you can kind of see where the conversation may go based off of their response. And I've had like patients try to pry out of me, like, you don't like Trump, do you? I don't like him. I can't stand him. I'm just like, ma'am, I don't talk politics. (laughs) Please get to the edge of this bed. (laughs) (laughs) Outside of work, I do think it's important. Um... I think it's very important. I mean, some of the regulations that they're putting out, you know, will directly affect us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we should have a voice. But I, 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 I'm able to separate it. Like I said, I won't talk about it, particularly at work. But outside of work, yes. Okay. Okay. Cool. How about you, John? Uh, it's um, it's a tricky one. Is this this year specifically? Prior to this year, um, I definitely was mum on anything political. Uh, we have rules, like we have TVs in our facility and there's nothing on with news unless it's some pressing emergency information mm-hmm. that benefits everybody. But we don't put on CNN or MSNBC or Fox News because it has before like literally broke out in like fist fights with patients. Wow. Yeah. And like, you know, people, people get hurt. People get emotionally yeah. hurt on these, these views. So. We don't want to. We don't want to create any more pain than they already are experiencing. Right. So we ultimately just keep it neutral. Um, however, um, we have a lot more. So since we're dealing with people that are very much present in the world, they are coming in and having those conversations and ultimately dragging you in because where I'm at, I'm the only black therapist. Um, so obviously when you see um, the, the civil unrest and the black injustice that's there, they want to kind of uh, either directly or indirectly involve you. Um, and sometimes you have to be forthright and sometimes you don't. Um, 
So ultimately, it's like I'm I'm going to say keep the peace because it's your your whole premise there is to make the person better mm. uh, physically, mm-hmm. um, mentally. That's a different type of therapy. That's <laughs> not me. Um, so, um, but like it's when you're when you are the voice of um, the future, like literally, like um, every black patient that comes in there or even a minority of any other race, you, you are showing that um, even if you don't say anything, you are a beacon of representation. And so just keeping your wits about you and keeping your focus is my opinion in that regards. Hmm. Yeah, I hear that. How about you, Trev? I tend to like to endure a little bit. No, although aside, I'm usually mum about politics. However, some patients talk about it and it's a nice, comfortable space, good rapport. They'll ask me about it. I give very neutral responses, but I also like to hear what they have to say. If they vote for one side or the other, I like to hear their stances at least. It makes a good conversation and it's still getting better. Uh, so. <laughs> Well, are y'all doing therapy? You're I mean, about I mean, <laughs> I'll sit down for about five to ten minutes yeah, before I talk about therapy. Oh, you were like, like, a psychotherapist, man. You were there. Just, just oh, talk well, about yes, yes. <laughs> so we talked about 2020 um, and um, how it's been quite a political year, but I mean, in the black community, okay, we've had, I mean, every year there's always something going on. But this year, I mean, it, in my opinion, it's kind of been, it's been more intense than I would say the more recent years, in my opinion. So I just wanted um, to kind of combine what's going on in the black community and then also like with, in our jobs, like healthcare. Um, like John, you mentioned that you're the only black PT in your organization. And I mean, that happens a lot, maybe not like in DC, like in some areas in DC, but if you go into the rural areas, that happens a lot where there's like one black person or no black people, you know, um, or, you know, one black pediatrician in a 200 mile radius, you know? So, uh, what, why do you guys think that that is that there are so few of us, which we are growing, our, the black medical uh, professional community has grown so much, but why do you think that there is so few of us? Especially uh, like in your area where you guys are actually, you have doctoral degrees in physical yeah. therapy. Um, why do you think that there's not as many black people in that area? Um, is that, that's a that's a loaded, it's a loaded, loaded question there. Um, so for, let me correct really quick. So there is another PT. My my overheading my over. So I'm the director. I'm the plan director of the facility where I'm at. My boss is also a black physical therapist. Um, so but we don't work together. He's he's in a different facility. So um, the big thing that I see with this is that it is a product of systemic racism. Um, it is a product of uh, unequal access. Um, so 
And when you say unequal access, are you saying um, unequal access with like education, opportun- educational opportunities to become a healthcare professional or um, lack of access for healthcare in, in general or both? <laughs> both, both. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're talking about a history where um, it is known that black um, individuals do not trust the healthcare system. So exposure mm. to that way. You don't see, you don't have the opportunity to go and actually find a black physical therapist or a black physician that is needed for you. Um, the other aspect is is exposure. You know what I mean? What's exposed throughout the media, which is really quickly at hand, is not a black excellence on what we will, what you will want to see in the medical field. Mm. Um, I think for, I can speak for myself. Um, and as they with Trevor and, um, and Vicky, like you, we had parents in which they were either tied to the medical field beforehand, mm. or they had some kind of influence in where they said, Hey, you should try this. Um, so like my mom's a nurse. Um, and then with that, my, with that exposure, I met, um, physicians who were white physicians who were black physicians who were. Middle Eastern, Asian. So you, I automatically, I had that ability to kind of see myself in that picture. But if you don't see that in any form or fashion, you don't even think that's a possibility. So you just mm. think it's a possibility of what's around you. And usually that's, you know, just not out there. Yeah. Hmm. Now, Vicky, like many people, and I've heard this happen, probably even more so people are saying this a lot like that it shouldn't matter if you're like let's say your kid or anyone uh, or you don't have um a black doctor you know um or you don't see any black doctors in a hospital like that's fine and it shouldn't matter if your physician is black or white you know um as long as they can do the job well i've heard that a couple of times that it doesn't matter if there's black representation what what are your thoughts on that I feel like they're, I mean, isn't that a law somewhere? Like, don't they have to hire so many minorities? So it does matter. I mean, it does matter. I mean, because hospital setting, if you don't have any Black doctors, they're still, you know, having Black patients. And sometimes it does, I'm going to put it out there, it kind of makes a difference as far as relatability um, is concerned to have someone who looks like you, who might can relate to you a little bit more. I, I think it does matter. It does matter. And I will say, I am. I work in a hospital setting. I'm PRN, but I'm there full time hours. So I'm the only like consistent black physical therapist in that whole hospital. Mm-hmm. They have a physical therapist assistant. She's black, but she's only there like one weekend out of the month. Mm. So it does make a difference. And you'd be surprised the reactions that you get and some mm. of the responses I've gotten. <laughs> and yeah. just being a black female physical therapist in that setting. Hmm. How about you, Trev? Do you think it ma- do you think it matters? I do. Uh like Vicky said, in terms of relatability, there's a certain things like if, if I have a, a client who's, you know black and I'm black, we get certain things that somebody who's of a different persuasion just won't get. So it really helps to accelerate that rapport with um, people. So I think it's very important to have that representation. 
And what about the disparities too? We know that there's all kind of health disparities amongst, um, you know, minorities. And a lot of it is because of like, you know, let's be honest, like social biases. Mm -hmm. And so when you have more healthcare providers who look Mm -hmm. (laughs) like those minorities, we're, you know, we're not coming in there with those, those biases, but I wouldn't say at the end of the day, to the best of your ability, no matter, you know, what you look like, how you sound mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also want to like kind of tack in with that one, with uh, Trevor Vicky just said, uh, a big part of it is also um, you're, you're the advocate for them. So being able to, uh, so many times that I've seen my patients, it's not about physical therapy that I'm talking to with. I'm talking to them with, the importance of being and seeing the physician or seeing coming to your appointments or doing things. These are the questions you need to ask when you go to your physician. Mm-hmm. Even though I work directly with physicians, ask these questions. Do not leave until you feel that all your questions are answered. Those mm-hmm. are things that that is not said or not expressed to our community. So people sign up for medications that they never need to sign up for. People don't know they're all, they are alternatives to certain types of care and certain types of things. So you end up being an advocate because, let's be frank, other races are not going to be looking out on that other level for you, uh, mm-hmm. for us as a black people. So like when you look at it, and I'm, I've had a patient come in, it's like, um, <laughs> like, like a patient came in, uh, fresh total knee replacement and took off her steroid strips after having her staples in um or having the steroid strips on for like two days like she took them off and her wound was getting ready to open i'm like uh, like man why you know what happened like why did you take these off oh i thought they were band-aids so you look at the discrepancy of education and with that and this is not a young person i'm talking about this is a 50 plus woman mm-hmm. and so i had to take that initiative i'm like wait, wait the physicians didn't tell you about this it's like no, I I mean I, I mean either they didn't tell her or she didn't understand exactly what was going on. Mm. Information was lost, mm. and I had to that whole treatment ended up being education. Like mm. I'm putting these on to, for you. You do not touch these. If not, this is how you prevent infection. This is what you need to do. This is how you clean around it. So now you, I'm, I'm effectively not being a phys- like I'm not physical therapist in the standard expect expectations. I'm now an educator on how to protect yourself as a human being. Hmm. Hmm. I love that. Yeah. And I want to go back to something you said earlier too, John was like, I do, I agree with you. I agree with all of you guys, but um, I do think it's really important with younger kids seeing black professionals, a PT or something, you know, they can go and see, they'll go to a clinic, like they'll see Trev and Jonathan, you know, and they'll be like, huh, you know, they look like me and I, I could do that too, you know? And I feel like if they don't see themselves represented, you know, a lot of people have still overcome and still are successful, but you know, it's, there, it's a lot more relatable too. like, man, I can, they're doing that and they look like me. They came where I came from. Like, why can't I do it? Mm-hmm. I could do it too, you know? So I just want to thank 
all three of you guys, because you guys are amazing physical therapists and you guys are representing and just like doing so well. And I appreciate all you do. Like, I can't thank you guys enough. Thank you, Abby. Yeah, thank you. And thanks to all the PTs out there. Before I go, I want to know what each of you guys are doing now. You guys, some of you mentioned (laughs) that, you know, PT is your passion, but, you know, you might be doing something else. I know what it is, but can you share with the listeners? <laughs> uh, we'll start with you, Vicki. Um, what are you doing and where can people find you on social media? Oh, like I said, PT is my profession, but by passion, I am a life coach and a personal organizer. Um, I also have a podcast, which is entitled Talking with Vicki J on all the major um, streaming apps. So like Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, Google. You can find me on social at, at Talking, that's T-A-L-K-I-N with Vicky J. And that's Let's what I'm doing. Oh my God, they're not singing the song. <laughs> That song is so catchy, Vicky. Like, I listen to it all the time. <laughs> Thank you. You guys, I can attest that podcast is amazing. You have got to tune in. It is very entertaining. So thank you, Vicky. Please keep going because it is just so great. <laughs> thank you, Abigail. Yeah, thank you. How about you, Trev? Well, you know, you can find me on uh, social media for anything fragrant or culinary. <laughs> <laughs> and I like to cook is my therapy. Thank you. Uh, T underscore smooth S M O O V as in victory. <laughs> Excellent. And your food is amazing. I love those pictures. Sometimes they don't come out exactly like how yours. Yours are so pretty. It looks so oh, good. And I'm like, I could have sworn I felt like the story here is I always take the, the picture of my wife's plate because when I do my food, it's just all together. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make it nice for my wife's plate. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. Because sometimes I'll try to, like, like I know I've texted you, like, Trevor, how did you, like, make this? I need step-by-step, and I'll do step-by-step, and it does not look like – I mean, it'll taste good, but it does not look as good at all. <laughs> That's my secret. That's my secret. <laughs> <laughs> okay, John, how about you? What are you up to um, right now? Where can people find you on social media? Social media, you can find me um, on, I'm mostly on Instagram. Um, it's um, Johnny A Seed. That's J O N N Y, the letter A and Seed at the end. Johnny A Seed. Oh, was it, was it underscore? I think it's, oh yeah, it's Johnny underscore A underscore C. That's what it is. Yeah, and um, I'll tag, I'll tag all exactly. of them, you guys, so that you guys can get, get to their links. Uh-huh. And then my wife, my lovely wife and I do have a podcast. It's called oh, On The Real Tip, where we are uh, um, a young, a black uh, couple with two kids, and we're literally trying to figure out life, try to figure out um, the marriage thing, this parenting thing this spirituality thing. Um, so we just post questions to each other and we kind of just hash it out. So. And please. I don't, I, 
Okay, I'm going to just attest that everyone because it's so true. Like, your podcast is so good, John. You and Serene is really good. I love it. I first saw it when you were doing the Love is Blind. I was like, oh my gosh, yes, let's talk (laughs) about it. I want to know, like, what did you guys think? So that episode was really good. And the gardening. I really like it. Yeah. You guys are awesome gardeners. Like, yeah, definitely stole some tips. So you guys, yeah. yeah. Yeah, We have to to make some more podcasts. Life has been hectic. You understand, two little ones. Um, I can't emphasize enough (laughs) how much I understand. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Abigail, don't expect for him to share nothing from out of his guard. No, you're not sharing food? anything, John. You're not. You not guys me. aren't sharing all that food. Cause Therese, uh-huh. you guys be taking pictures with like, like huge trays of like. Exactly. <laughs> we did kill that one. We did share that one. You guys live too far. No, you were trying to give me Ship no. So did you share it or were they too far? What? Which no, one? not. No, no. The peppers one. The peppers one was was pretty recent. I, that one. I'm dirty for that one. I apologize for that one. Yes. <laughs> no, you cannot take this home. No, no. <laughs> no I got that sauce. The, uh, the uh, lettuce and everything, that was too far. And ultimately what I learned is the stuff that we get at a grocery store are all lies. That stuff goes bad in like two days when you cut that thing. Yeah. It's hmm. good stuff. Well, Illinois is not that far. You guys can send some food over this. Don't month. hold your breath. <laughs> you can it's hold not it. it to Virginia. You can hold it. You might pass out, but you can hold it. <laughs> we started our garden um, this year, and it was good, but definitely stole some tips for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you, everyone, again. And thank you to all the PTs out there. Happy Physical Therapy Month. Enjoy your month. Thank hey, you so much. Oh, happy. Thanks, you guys. (laughs) Keep doing what you do, Abby. Bye. Bye, guys.